be wondering why this gathering of 20 watercolors is in the front of our sanctuary. And it's for our new members. It's a metaphor for who we are. I'll share with them at the, the second service that our motto is diverse in thought, united in Christ. And of course, when you look at this, it was made by our watercolor class. It's us, right? We know that. I mean, it's the church, but we know it means the congregation. But when you look more closely, you realize that this tree doesn't look the same in any one of the panels. Up here, the roof line doesn't match up. The, the bell tower doesn't match up. This tree is different. The colors of the bricks are all different. But you know right away when you see it, it's our church. But it's each one is different and unique. And it's a wonderful metaphor for our motto that we are diverse in thought and united in Christ. So the lectionary reading for this Sunday is from the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter. And it's about Jesus and Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector. And I'm just going to say, I've honestly, I've honestly had this thought many, many times. By a quirk of the tax laws, clergy are self-employed, so we make self-employment tax payments every quarter to the U.S. Treasury, the Illinois Department of Revenue. And so many times, I really have so many times wanted to put in the memo, show this to Zacchaeus. I really wanted to do that, but um, I, I, I just thought maybe they'd get annoyed and audit me, so I don't want to do that. But from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, Zacchaeus looked up and said, and Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome Jesus. But all who saw it began to grumble and said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay them back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This ends our reading from the Gospel of Luke. And may these words which once transformed the disciples' hearts transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. October 30th feels like a pivot point for me. I mean, we turn our faces toward November. Yes, we have Halloween, big day, especially with families. But right after that, November and the season of Thanksgiving. And so I think many of us begin to orient ourselves to that season of gratitude. And we know that it's a time when we will open our homes to family and friends. And so as we do begin to orient ourselves to the season of gratitude and welcoming family and friends, I also don't want us to confuse the vision of transformative hospitality 
we hear in this morning's story with, say, simply setting a beautiful table or dusting off the best china, polishing the candlesticks, and, and when the guests arrive, having the children carry the coats up to the empty bedroom. I mean, those are, of course, those are gestures of warmth and welcome. But the hospitality described in Luke and requested by Jesus is of a deeper dimension and feels way more dangerous. Jesus reminds us in Scripture that it's fairly easy to be hospitable to someone you already love. But this morning, he calls us to a bolder kind of welcome, hospitality to the outsider. And Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus defines outsider in the most painful way. Zacchaeus was known to everyone and rejected by all. Someone once said that he lived at one of the most painful intersections in town, the corner of riches and loneliness. Maybe he lived there for good reason. I mean, tax collectors were really good at doing bad. And one of the reasons tax collectors were ostracized was because a tax collector made his money by keeping everything above what he owed the empire. So the more he squeezed people, the richer he got. But this story has two very unusual details that I think are important to engaging it. Zacchaeus is described as being short in stature. And that's a, really a bit elusive because it's truly peculiar because the Bible hardly ever describes anyone physically, right? We don't know if the Apostle Paul was short with curly hair or if the disciple Peter was tall and balding. And because there's such a paucity of details about physical descriptions in the Bible, we have to assume that Zacchaeus, being short in stature, was probably both literally short, but also short in stature in his community. He was the true outsider. And that's the reason, of course, that he has to climb the tree. But maybe it's for both reasons as well. Zacchaeus wanted to see he was too short to stand at the back. But also, no one in his community would let him move to the front. I imagine they formed a human wall to exclude him. So he climbs a tree. But then did you hear the second odd detail? When Jesus spots him, now, surely the crowd at this point thinks that Jesus will call this tax collector out. Hit the road. Nobody wants you around. But Jesus, who so often confounds and perplexes us, says, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house. Must. Must. It's really strange. I must stay at your house. I mean, surely Zacchaeus the well-known pariah of the parish, was a perpetual stranger to every one of his neighbors' tables and parties, and they were a stranger to his. So this is a peculiar, surprising, and strange story of good news. Because you heard what happens, right? Zacchaeus opens his home to the stranger Jesus, and he is transformed because by opening his home, he opens his heart to repentance 
and Christ's forgiveness. Zacchaeus becomes a follower of Christ, which means that this is a story of hospitality and, yes, that rather uncomfortable word, evangelism. I mean, evangelism, I think, makes some people squirm, especially in the talk, in the light of all the talk around evangelicals and the election, but evangelism does not describe a style of faith. It simply and literally means to bring good news. And evangelism, as we discover with Zacchaeus, can grow from hospitality. And I want to suggest to you that it's the intersection of hospitality and evangelism that we might wish to sit up and take note. I want to consider a couple of stories from a decade or longer ago in the life of our church, but it was 10 or 15 years ago, and our Illinois conference minister of the United Church of Christ was coming to visit for worship, and she parked on Central Avenue at the far west side of the education building. And she came to the doors by the chapel of the education building, expecting, of course, to come in. And they were, as we all know, locked. They're always locked. We know that. Well, eventually she found her way to worship, but she did later call me up that week and say, you know, Rich, don't assume everyone knows their way in to a church. And she meant it literally, but she also meant it emotionally. And a few years before that, a church consultant told us that we really needed to put a sign outside that, that tells the world the times that we worship and, and really who we are. And the consultant said, unless you do that, not, not many folk will feel welcome here. And a member replied to the consultant, exactly. If a visitor wants to be a part of us, they'll figure out how to do it. Now, neither of those are how a church opens its doors to good news. Neither of those are a way that a church shares the good news, the transformative news, that your life will be fuller and more meaningful if you follow Christ in community. And all those experiences remind me that sometimes, and I think unconsciously, we form a church around us, the insiders. And sometimes, unintentionally, we erect barriers to entrance by having to know which doors are unlocked or when we gather to praise God. Well, over the years, I think some of those obstacles to hospitality and welcome have fallen. And I pray that they will continue to fall. And that not only will our doors be open, but it will be obvious where they are. Jesus said he must dine with Zacchaeus not only to break bread at his table, but to transform him. Zacchaeus, through hospitality, is evangelized by the good news, reminded in his repentance and his forgiveness that Jesus loves both saint and sinner. And we're all some of both. So as we think about preparing our homes for the season of gratitude and how we might receive our guests hospitably, we might do well considering how we would prepare if Jesus were to be our guest. I mean, would we clean the house more thoroughly? Or, or would we simply clean the house for a change? Would we impress him with a menu featuring the finest tenderloin from Casey's or 
would we get those fabulous chili dogs from Little Joe's? Frankly, as for hospitality, either choice would be fine, I'm guessing. But what might be most important is to simply tell Jesus the truth. That his good news about loving our neighbors, we love ourselves, sometimes makes us really nervous. And maybe it would even be more important to apologize to Jesus for not having invited everyone to dinner. Even the cranky and bitter neighbor who no one can stand. Perhaps we would apologize for not making the doors to either our homes or our church open to all who need human love and fellowship. So friends, as we turn towards this season of gratitude and hospitality, let us continue to open our doors wide enough to receive all who need human love and fellowship. And by doing so, we will open our hearts to God as well. May it be so.